0: Hey, what's up, guys? Chris, listen, I want to talk to you about some of our sponsors. First and foremost, we're talking, first one I want to talk to you about is JC Innovations. JC Innovations is an engineering service business that provides engineering support for orthopedics and medical device businesses, including medical technology. But this is the thing. This is the thing. That's like saying that Kobe Bryant was a basketball player. I mean, this is, I mean, I appreciate this thing that they wrote up for me, but really, let's really talk about what they're It's complete, total innovation happening in the orthopedic business, right? Where some of these guys are happy with hips, knees, right? JC Innovations is pushing the envelope of technology and innovation in the orthopedic industry. With with over 15 years experience making medical products, they are not just proficient, they excel at navigating regulatory requirements for the, the government, the FDA. Think about all the nonsense it takes to get your product on the market with the FDA. JC Innovations, they've done it for 15 years. They can get your product to market, both and as well as regulatory bodies outside the US. Blessed to be a part of this community. They do their part and contribute to it. JC Innovation supports helping hands, right? Helping hands. If you don't know about helping hands, helping hands. (laughs) Jody put together like an Iron Man hand for my buddy's little girl Zoe. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. It's not just about pushing innovation, but it's about helping community. If you're if you want to learn more, reach out to Jody. You want to maybe want to be partner with them, you, Jody how they can help your business. Contact Jody at JC Innovations through the contact page on their website jcinnovations.com. That's jc-innovations.com. They're excited to hear from you. Give them a call. Tell them I sent you. They
1: might take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. This is The Freedom Cats with your hosts, Chris Flack, Stephen King, and Jody Claypool. Produced by Jack Claypool Audio. Freedom Cats reviews movies politics, and entertainment. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the Freedom Cats.
2: We've, what, three episodes of Shocking now? And, like, you're that, you're that silly dog. Like, my, my roommate had this silly dog, a Weimaraner. And let me tell you. I don't know. People like Weimar but I think they're some of the dumbest creatures in the world. Are we recording? Yeah, of course. Keep going. Sorry. We got to let people know about these rules and the fact that there are none. <laughs> so, that dog we had a, you know, radio fence for shocking. And that dog didn't care. It just it would go 100 miles an hour through that fence, knew it was there, and do a giant circle. Yelping, like 400 feet of yeah. yelping back into the yard. I'm like, do you not remember last time? So, Jody, you're a yeah. resident runner.
1: <laughs> Sounds about right. All right. There's a lot going on today. Okay, we're going to be talking about the war in Israel, mental health, vaccines, and food. Uh, all uh, pivoting around mental health, which I think is going to be a very interesting discussion.
2: This is an episode that I've been waiting for for a long time. I mean, this is an episode dealing with mental health that, um, you know, I've done a lot of deep dives into and uh, was really looking for one in particular to, you know, broach this subject because it's, it's a pretty serious subject. So I'm, I'm
1: excited to talk about it. Right on. Well, I'm Jody. This is Stefan. And today we have Amanda, and we are the Freedom Cats.
3: Meow.
1: So just out of the gate, and this is the way I run, uh, this show is not kid-friendly. The show probably today is going to be especially not Uh, kid-friendly. We've got lots going on, like I said. For everybody out there, please hit that like button, share with your friends and family. We're growing. And it's only because of support from listeners like you that we're able to do that. So we appreciate everybody who is a part of this uh, on-growing effort to expand the freedom of speech.
2: We need to do a recording of that little quip and do it like the whole PBS style. Yes.
3: Only by the viewers, viewers like, like you. you. <laughs> That's what I think of yeah. every time he says it. Yeah,
2: It's great. So yeah, absolutely. And uh, make sure to sub- subscribe too it'll pop up when the new episodes go and all that fun stuff. Absolutely.
1: So, Amanda? Yes, sir. uh, Just let's give the listeners a little context about who you
3: are. Yeah, absolutely. So my name's Amanda Sauter. I live here in Warsaw. Uh, I'm a local stand-up comedian, and I know these guys from lots of different involvement in the community. So that's me in a nutshell. I uh, don't have any kids. I just like to rabble rouse through the community
1: when i think amanda i think rabble rouse (laughs) you did warsaw's got talent right
3: i did i did i got third place beautiful Yep.
2: podium i like it i did yeah you got podium (laughs) i just watched the gran turismo movie last night i didn't realize it was based on a true story but uh they did the 24 hours little mons and the uh the gran turismo player got first place so he got podium too that's what made me think podium
1: Gran Turismo, the video game?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, I guess years ago, they started a program where these these uh, players on Gran Turismo, these top players, could compete for the ability to actually be a race car driver and uh, prove to be successful. And this, this gentleman that won, um, he's won multiple races now. He's got like 15 years in racing at this point.
1: It's pretty wild. Wait, the guy who played video games? Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) Gran Turismo
2: was set up by, uh, obviously, PlayStation, uh, a Japanese creator that wanted to make the most realistic racing simulator that you could possibly make. And that was Gran Turismo. Um, So they took that and ran with it.
3: Man, a
1: big Gran Turismo fan.
3: One thousand <laughs> percent. I could see that.
1: I could see you just putting like putting on. Uh, do they wear helmets? I like, I don't know. Do Gran Turismo people put put you on mean helmets? Like in their bedroom when they're playing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean that would be awesome.
2: <laughs> like just suit up like the yeah. whole fire retardant suit, the yeah, helmet, that's right, yeah. the racing shoes, <laughs> all the brands on That'd the, be awesome. Yeah. 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 Sponsored by. I could see Amanda doing that. Just oh, just for the whole
3: sure. Thing on, well,
1: you yeah. know me, just big gamer, big gamer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. We're talking about the war in Israel. <clears throat> okay, this has been uh, a topic that a lot of people are engaged in right now. It's a very divisive topic as yeah. well. But our take is a little different today. We're not just talking about the war in Israel. Um, I want to talk about, because this whole episode is about mental health. It's it's about right um, how people are consuming this information and what's being pumped into their brains. And so right out of the gate, what is real? Like, what information are we getting that we can actually count on? Uh, honestly,
2: I think that we're being fed what they want us to hear. Right. Really. I mean, like, we had this big blowout fight about Israel yesterday. And, I mean, there's a reason why I don't look at American media for for information on that. Like, I go to Reddit almost all the time from, you know, international news, news sources and stuff. But they they want us to hear a particular narrative about it and react emotionally based on that.
3: Do you feel a little bit like, because this is such a ongoing issue right now, but this is so many years in the making, so it's hard to be reactive and have a hot take for 2023 for something that has been... Going on, you know, this entire time and just building and building. It's not as nuanced as some really clever quip somebody can say right now off of a week of journalism. Yeah. And
1: I, Stefan had a take yesterday. I made that comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Stefan made
3: a really good take. I don't, I don't mean to talk for you. No, you're sorry.
1: You do. Um, (laughs) But the, um, the idea that um, we, this, this conflict, right? has, um, it, there's, there's a narrative being built and the narrative being built is these people are bad. Well, that is in context to, um, a lot of backstory and this, this, right. I, I'm getting really kind of, you know,
2: to, to, it, let's, it, let's boil it all down. It, boil it conflates down. back to the last veg, vestiges of colonialism and then also Zionism as well and the my comparison was if the trail of tears were happening today we were moving indians on uh, native americans onto reservations today how would people react to that
3: oh they would be up in arms
2: and so like the comparison is the same type of situation going on in another part of the world however it is again very fueled by emotion sure overall
1: A hundred percent. And when we take a more crass nuts and bolts look at this, where are the dollars going? Right. You're talking about an iron dome that's shooting down thousands and thousands of missiles. That's got to be supplied. The U.S. is shipping a ton of arms over to Israel. But guess what? The Palestinians, they're armed with the six billion dollars worth of equipment that we left in Afghanistan. So when we're looking at money, it's money on both sides of this equation. We oh, yeah. this this just feeds into the narrative from anybody looking from an outside perspective. I mean, and,
2: and I'm sure the private contractors are are having a heyday with this as well. Percent,
1: hundred percent. In fact, uh, my understanding is that Zelensky's pissed because this is drawing away from the Russia Ukraine yeah. conflict, and it, I'm sure it, Putin's happy. Well, you know, it it's yeah. I I'm you know what I'm sure they're still shipping billions of dollars and lots of equipment over to Ukraine as well. Yeah. Yeah. but nobody's talking about that. We're just gonna keep shipping those arms over there.
2: right. they'll They'll still go over there, and then, you know, BlackRock's gonna provide the arms for the other side. So it's one of those things where it's like we just feed this machine.
1: We're all just puppets in the marionette show, and we're just being given these little strings that say, hey, you guys need to argue about the difference between a this sect and that sect who, by the way, had a dispute for a th- this is point, thousands and thousands of years. Right. It's like, oh, oh, you guys didn't figure that out yet? <laughs> right. You guys haven't <laughs> solved this problem yet? Yeah. No, absolutely. of course not, because it's worth billions of dollars. Yeah. yeah and it's and a good, it just
2: keeps getting fueled.
1: Yeah, it's a good reason to you know, keep fueling yeah. the dispute. Right? Why were it's we like, in
2: Afghanistan for 20 years?
1: It's the, my dad can beat up your dad. By the way, I'm going to supply you both with boxing gloves. Yep. Scenario. Yep.
2: And we'll put we'll put uh, lead in one set, and then when the lead gets used in one set, well, then we'll sell the lead gloves to the other. One.
1: <laughs> there yeah. you go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That using, exactly. yeah
2: he's but using yeah, I mean, as far election, as like, right. it's a, it's just a constant cycle of things that the government, and we'll we'll throw the media in with that because let's let's be honest, it's a branch of the government at this point. It's just a constant cycle of what's the next thing that we need you upset about, right? Um, And what they a lot of times don't realize is that being upset about something is again on an emotional level. Like nobody looks at it logically first. I I always in sales, I was always that guy. Like here's the thing: people purchase with emotion. They simply justify that decision with a little bit of logic. And that's the same thing. We're purchasing that media that they're they're pu- pumping out to get us upset, and we're trying to justify it with a little bit of logic. So yeah, it's.
3: Right. Yeah, I it's been interesting to kind of see the Twitter accounts, sorry, X, whatever we're calling it today, <laughs> the accounts I follow, and kind of seeing the different because it's almost like who do we have to listen to right now that has any kind of pulse of what's happening? As you said, where are we getting this information from? Because if you're not sitting and watching the 24-7 news cycle that is given to Americans, what are you following? And so there's all these major accounts, people that are sharing accounting of what's actually going on, boots on the ground kind Mm of mm -hmm. um, narratives. And it is kind of that thing where it's like today, am I upset because it's genocide? Am I today? Am I upset today? It, you know, all of the yep. different takes yeah. as far as how the different people are looking at it. And it's, it is, it truly is. a. I guess I'm just, uh, upset just from looking at the internet today.
1: So Amanda, yeah. are you pro, uh, Jew or are you pro Palestinian? It's Jewish. Jew, is it yeah. Jewish? Yeah. Did yeah. I say it wrong? Yeah. I'm,
2: that's anti Semitic to say Jew. Is it? Yeah. Is it? Yes, it is.
1: Oh, I didn't know that. I don't, all right. I didn't know that that was an actual thing. Are you pro Jewish? <laughs> go, go to Louisville.
2: <laughs> go to Louisville and, and go, to, go to like one of the main town blocks around the hospital and to shout. Be, to be honest, with you, Jew. I, and do, see what I happens. don't
1: know if that's actually the argument. I don't even, to be honest <laughs> with you, I really don't know if it's, I think maybe the better argument is are you pro Israel?
2: Yeah, yeah, it's right? it's pro Israel because there's plenty of Jewish folks that are not pro this whole
1: situation. I, I really don't even right. know so, how to classify it. So are you yeah. pro? Are you pro Palestinian or pro Israel? You got to make a decision right now. Do right it. now, I want to
3: hear, hear your guys' decision right now. No, no, yeah. I asked you first.
1: <laughs> I, I'm I'm fine sharing it. I'm,
2: I'm not pro either side. Sure. I mean, because it's like. I was thinking about it on the way home from doing the last podcast and I was thinking, okay, you know, how would you feel if somebody like your neighbor starts putting a little landscaping in, on one corner of your property? You know, what are you doing? What, what's wrong with that? And then they put some more landscaping and then they start at moving further into your yard and you're like, what the hell? And next thing you know, you turn around and you do, you're going in your house and they're like inside your house. I feel that, and then at the same time, you know I also feel like you have as the ho- homeowner, you need to keep your property and your house safe, so I'm not pro either side. I see sure. both sides of it, and so your
1: di- grand turismo outfit is going to be Israel on one lapel and Palestine on the other. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and, and then slowly Israel's going to go ahead and, and take over the rest of the other side. Yeah. Uh. Okay. So that's my take.
1: So it, it, this has caused a bunch of weird stuff. Like, I'm just looking at, and I'm with you guys 100%. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, and I'm like, I, to be honest with you, I, I don't even, I don't, other mm-hmm. than the money laundering from, you know, arms sales... I'm not. I'm trying to figure out who the winner in this is. Right, and it's nobody. Nobody Yeah, there's wins. not going to be one. But the social justice groups are—they're going crazy. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a lot of weirdness going on. Like the ADL is flip flopped. Right. And who whose side are they on? Um, there's actually Jews for Palestine. If that's—if anybody wants to be confused, you know. <laughs>
2: I mean, that, add that to the conversation. I understand
1: that aspect. <laughs> right. And then people sure. are actually debating. This is, I've seen this. They're debating the word Semite, right? So anti-Semitic is a vernacular that's used commonly, but Semite does not mean Jew.
2: No, it means people from that area.
1: From the desert. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So when people say anti-Semitic, it's like, well, okay, you're you're, inca- you're encapsulating a ton of people. They just happen to live in that area. Right. Right, so it's like, okay, um, who are you against? (laughs) What do you say? That was anti-Semitic. Was like, okay, are you against the Arabs? Are you against the Jews? Are you against the Egyptians? Are you against the whatever?
2: It's it's just one of those words that's evolved over time. Yeah, right. To mean a particular thing.
1: I think colloquially, people accept that word as anti-Jewish, but now there's a debate. It's like, okay, well, let's get down to the root of the term, and I'm like, wow, that's not helping anything. Now we're now we're just muddying the waters. And then the craziest thing I saw was like transgender and LGBTQ for Hamas for Hamas
2: for for Hamas or the Palestinian people because that that's again two two separate things
1: for Hamas, which is which is crazy to me, right? Because you are talking about terrorist. Well, uh, for depending on your definition of that group, you could be stating a very zealous sect of a population that is commonly viewed as a terrorist group.
2: Well, and, and it doesn't even matter whether it's a terrorist group or not, because we know that there's organizations that have supported you know, American terrorism, um, even though they don't necessarily ascribe to what that terrorist was doing, but they felt like that action was, was justified. The thing that's the craziest part is that you're a member of the community, Supporting a group that feels like you should be exterminated. Yeah. Right. right. That That's the crazy part to me. That's, that's been my take for a long time is like, why do we have to change these organizations to make uh, make parts of the community fit in? Why don't you just reject these organizations and say, you guys are jerks? Right. So that's the part I don't understand about it.
1: Amanda, thoughts?
3: I agree with Stefan. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you. It, it, it seems very contrary to what they would want their mission to be.
1: Yeah. So there's this weird um, needing to voice an opinion. There's this weird needing to be at the forefront of the conversation uh, phenomenon that I see. And they're not thinking about their principles. There's no integrity built on any of this. It's just wanting to be a part of the conversation. Right. And so right. they're they're kinda of pushing that narrative and it's like, well guys, you do realize uh that you gotta have some sort of principle that you're basing the conversation off of. Otherwise you just look like frivolous, petulant children.
3: Well, and I feel like that was a huge push too on social media that I was seeing from a lot of these accounts where they're like, well, you know, cisgendered white people need to speak because we have a voice. And it's like, I don't feel like, it's just my opinion, I need to have some hot take about Israel on my social media. I'm not educated enough on it. I don't feel like I am a journalistic pundit I'm um, that's not my job I love to just make my social media silly and like whatever shenanigans I got into that day and so I I just don't feel like everybody has to be that voice for whatever current events issue is happening but that's been the push it's been if you if you are a white person you must take a stance because you need to speak for your Jewish brothers and sisters or your, but you know, whatever the group yeah, is, yeah. this just happens to be the issue right now. And it's like, but do we have to, like, do I really need to be that voice on my social media in Warsaw, Indiana for, for people? And I don't know, I guess that's kind of a question too.
1: Well, that's, that's the big question. Why are we involved and why is this narrative being put into our face? There's a lot of conflicts.
3: Right, right.
2: And in all reality, why do you have to, you know, virtue signal? It doesn't matter anyway. Like this is going to go on whether we virtue signal on our social media or not. not media is going to push their narrative no matter what.
1: We're not going to solve it. Now, like right now, with the virt- with the people virtue signaling, that's weird. I know, isn't it that? Just, isn't that wild? Seems like <laughs> yeah. maybe maybe the one guy is going to get up and be like, "No, guys, stop!" And they're going to be like, "Oh, yeah. okay, yeah." Right. A thousand years, yes. No, we're going to stop
3: now. Hang on, though. Amanda
1: <laughs> had like thirty three likes on that post, <laughs> so we've solved it. Yes, yes. <laughs> solved it. Check and move on, right? My maybe, people maybe, that maybe, like everything maybe, I post. Yeah, like maybe thirty three likes on the Ukraine oh, war. And I got shocked for a reason. I, I, I think I violated one of the rules. You guys didn't give her, like, I got totally shocked. No, I didn't. I didn't
2: signal her to do anything. Why are you looking at me? I don't know. I got, I,
1: I got blasted. Somebody, <laughs> I, I screwed something up. Oh, John, John, one of our OGs was like, you know, Love he needs it. to be shocked. Okay. But, yeah, uh, Amanda, maybe, maybe do the 33 likes on the Ukraine war. We can solve this. Oh War my well. gosh, do That'd you think great. that's what we're waiting on? <laughs> <laughs> the whole world's waiting on your 33 likes. Dang
3: it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so finally, to put this to bed, the weirdest thing I saw, which I don't understand, was uh, BLM for the Hamas. And it was like this whole T-shirt thing. It's been pushed out into the conversation. I'm like, what is going on here? What? Are- I, I see that. What What's the point? I, I don't understand that. I mean, the- uh. A group
2: of quote unquote um, oppressed people trying to support another group of quote unquote oppressed people. That's that's what I see in that.
1: So walk me through walk me through that logic.
2: Okay, BLM okay. is a group of quote unquote oppressed people fighting against the man, and I don't know. They see, you know, the, the Palestinians. The uh, the Hamas representing the Palestinians as you know uh, another group fighting against the man.
1: So the BLM is um, they're a uh, a group of um, they're like a not for profit I guess is what we call it. I don't I don't know how to classify them activist I,
3: group yeah I mean, an act- maybe an yeah.
1: activist group so you've got an activist group supporting a uh, religious sect. And the activist group is trying to say we're in solidarity with what we think is a group of people who are oppressed in a region. Well, uh, because BLM uh, is not a region. The conflation right? of
2: Hamas and specifically religion is not necessarily a hundred percent the case. I mean, they're a political movement, if you will. They're a terrorist organization operating in the political sphere. Yes, they represent a specific religious. Group or sect, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they are, you know, going after and supporting a specific religious group, if that makes sense. Supposedly, fighting for the Palestinians is what they're doing. So, I mean, the way I would put it is that if you remember back when the Oklahoma City bombing happened, mm-hmm. a lot of the local militia groups were like, oh, Tim McVeigh, they looked at Waco as well mm-hmm. you know those were things that they shouted out uh, at that time so I don't necessarily see that there's not a parallel here as there is with that.
1: So when you draw that when you, when you connect those dots it sounds like BLM is trying to classify themselves as a terrorist organization
2: I mean if, uh, if we're classifying local militias as ter- terrorist organizations. That's
1: exactly when you, when you use the, uh, the bombing as your example, 100%. That's exactly the... So parallel. do you feel
2: like local militias are terrorist organizations, Jody?
1: If you're using the bombing <laughs> as your example, then what you're signaling to the rest of the nation is that BLM wants to be a terrorist organization. Because I think commonly they were that incident was viewed as a terrorist act. Am I correct? Yes, it was. Okay, so you're saying BLM wants to be known as a terrorist organization.
2: How's that corner feel that I painted you into, my friend?
1: Yeah, it's like... <laughs> I'm going to have to jump really far to get out of this room.
2: I like how you avoided the question, though. But I
1: I think the logic there is the logic a lot of people are applying to this conversation. I think a lot of people are saying BLM is a terrorist organization because they're tying themselves to an organization that is being classified as a terrorist organization, and nobody's unpacking the context of this conflict. So it's just BLM is charging headlong into wanting to be tied to a terrorist organization. Yeah. Is that fair? Uh,
2: yeah, and they don't have Janet Reno to, to tell everybody <laughs> right. they're a terrorist organization.
1: <laughs> like That's they fair. did with That's the militias, right? <laughs> right? That's fair. Since they're not actually terrorist organizations. That's fair. I kind
3: of forget Janet Reno is a person outside of Will Ferrell playing her. <laughs> <Like>. That was, <laughs> I love, you know, that, that early
2: 90s, yeah. mid 90s, Saturday Night Live cast, yes. I would put them up against the early one.
3: Oh, for sure. Absolutely. From sure.
2: top to bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was great. Those were great times.
3: Mm-hmm. Good
2: reference, Amanda.
3: <laughs> I, I just, I can't picture her as a real human
1: anymore. <laughs> right, right. Okay, so we're going to switch gears. So this first topic, the uh, the war topic, was intended to set the stage on the craziness that's happening. But we have a we have a topic we really want to delve into, which is mental health in general. Right. And so I want to just kick this off and get a little backstory, Amanda, because I I want you to tell your story and give us a little um, idea of where we can kick this conversation off and build from.
3: Sure, absolutely. So I had reached out because I felt like mental health is such a such a big part of my life. I mean, I constantly right now am in therapy and on two medications because at any given moment, my brain tries to tell me I'm not okay, or I'm not of worth, or what is the point of living? So without those things, I I tend to want to fall into that dark and twisty, as I call it. But as you guys know me in real life, you know I'm actually a very jolly, happy human. So it's like my brain wants to do this complete opposite, you know, 180 shift of of what I am normally. So I had reached out because I felt like, especially on the topic of suicide or unaliving, as the kids say, so that they can put it in a comment section on social media, um, it's most prevalent in middle-aged white males. And so I felt like as a podcast that is three, not, not quite middle-aged white males, it's kind of a responsibility of doing a mental health episode.
2: Yeah, the statistics on it are staggering actually. It's like 70%. And, uh, when you talk about this, yeah, three to one, uh, middle-aged white males, um, more specifically and, and especially because we're in you know small town america by and large the majority that that i i would say the the uh difference in percentage of middle-aged white males committing suicide is specifically to those rural areas um in urban areas it's much more even sure Whereas in rural areas it is you know three out of four people that, that commit suicide are, are white males and um, it's that's a pretty wild number um, you know is this something uh, since we were talking about you know spitting stuff out on social media and things like that is this something that on a ground level that that people can make a difference bringing awareness to that type of thing making... The, the macho, you know, aspect of it, not a taboo to, to ask for help, to right. talk to someone. Um, that's something that, you know, it's, it's pretty wild how much uh, difference there is, especially in the rural communities with regard to, you know, mental health and, uh, and suicide.
1: Can we talk about what we think the root causes of this are? I mean, I can,
2: I can speak to it myself, um, is that in general, I feel like I'm, I'll say for myself, you know, I don't have a big circle of people to, to talk to. Sure. Um, by nature, I think males are driven to be the provider. They're driven to shoulder the mental responsibility and they are not as willing to say hey can i can we sit down and talk a little bit i'm not feeling right you know even just among friends um the other thing that i think as far as the the nature of our society is that you know there's a movie boys don't cry right like as a kid If you're a boy and you have emotions that come up, you are taught to bury them. Man up. Yeah. Mm
3: -hmm. What are you
2: crying for, sissy? You know, that type of thing. And we are trained from small childhood to suck it up and move on. So it becomes, especially like I say, in the more conservative areas it feels like, It becomes one of those things where, you know, we're ticking time bombs because we put everything inside. Uh, we, We internalize all of that stuff from childhood on. And we're told that if we have issues like that, we're the problem. We're not macho enough. We're not man enough. We're, you know, we are not enough. When in all reality, the the manly thing to do is to understand when you are past that point and ask for help.
3: Right. Absolutely. Because you know, we all we all want you here. We all want you hanging around and and being with us. So it's, you know, the more you kind of give into your brain and allow your brain to to hang out in that dark and twisty area, it's it is a uh, not good. So I'm glad that you recognize that. And
2: I will say too, the other aspect of it that doesn't go into statistics is, is uh, drug abuse. You know, that doesn't, when you, when you dive an OD, you're not classified as suicide, but there's a reason that people use those significantly mind altering drugs like heroin, like um, fentanyl, like, you know, all those things that are easy to unalive yourself with, even if you're not specifically suicidal, you are treating your mental illness with the alternative of, of drugs.
3: Right. Well, and <clears throat> you can be... So for my situation, I ended up being put on the completely wrong mental health medication for about a year and a half. And I learned this later, if you are on the wrong one, you are essentially having brain poisoning for that duration of time, because I was told by a medical provider and, you know, I'm not throwing any local doctors under the bus, but this particular person, it's not even their field of work. They're an OBGYN, but they said, Hey, you know, actually I think Prozac is the one for you. And I said, okay. And I listened. And so she put me on Prozac, but she did a, a, even that transition, she didn't do the tapering or any of that. It was just a one-for-one. One. It was just completely stop taking your Celexa and start taking Prozac tomorrow kind of a thing. And I, so just that little transition was was very rough. I felt, I was slurring my words, felt like I couldn't. We're, we were long past I don't feel good enough of a person to go have a shower today. It was then to the point of like, I'm going to lay in my bed. And it was like, I hate to make jokes about it, but that's how I do You know, that's that's how I am. I, do it. I, I make light of things. But it was kind of like if an immediate suicide attempt was the instant pot method, I was doing the crock pot method where I was just laying in bed thinking that, like, I don't want to live anymore, but I also don't want to do anything to make that happen quicker, but I'm also not gonna eat and I'm also not gonna get up and use the restroom. So it was like this weird
1: Chalk went up for lazy people, right? Yeah,
3: exactly. Exactly. So I, I was on the wrong I was on the wrong uh mental health med for about a year and a half and I was crazy. And I'm allowed to say crazy because those are my people. (laughs) 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 I'm allowed to say that. Um, And so then you're my people. Amanda. (laughs) Yes. We're (laughs) all look at us. And so then in April, I actually ended up everything kind of came to a head where I had destroyed my marriage. I because I was just doing completely out of character things for me. Like, just bizarre. And I went into what I called sleepaway camp for sad people, which is a mental institution. I did get institutionalized for about a week. And I actually, I'm still paying for it, but that is like, because, you know, healthcare in this country, (laughs) I'll still be paying for that for a hot minute. Um, But I still feel like that was the best thing I could have done for myself because it. that was like a week of intense therapy talking about how did I get here, how did I get to a place where I constantly take care of everybody but myself. I feel like in women, that's the trend there. In males, it's exactly what you described, which is, oh, I'm the provider, I'm the breadwinner. If I lose my job or if something's going wrong at work, that's, that's kind of their you know, what, what gets them down that path for women. I think it's more the, I have to take care of everyone but myself and I'm always going to be last. And, oh my gosh, I finally checked in and, oh, we've all of the, you think about a a car where all of the lights are on, on the dash, everything's broken at once. It's like I finally got to that point where all of the, the dash lights were on.
2: I can definitely see that. I mean, I, I joke about you know the brewery a lot of times, um, and you know the nature of of how men are with their feelings, uh, you know, th- as the caretaker, if you will. I, I joke about it because like everybody else, you know, gets what they need first. Uh, it's that mom eats last thing. Yes, and that's a, that's a nature thing. Like mom, you're you're a lion mom eats the carcass last, everybody else gets it first. And, um, you know, there again, I would say it's about, you know, finding that edge of, we, I, I, I can't do this myself anymore. Right. So do we have a,
1: <clears throat> if we delve down into the root, uh, the, the foundational problem, the weak foundational problem that is is systemically being presented as, you know, people struggling. Do we have a problem with integrity in their culture? You can't trust your doctor. You can't trust your bank. You can't trust anybody to take care of you. You can't even trust words. I can't say man anymore, right? Because man might mean something different to somebody else. Well, when you run into these perpetual truth problems, when you run into these perpetual perpetual integrity issues. There's a a cascading and building and aggregating sense of anxiety that exists. And it's like, well why am I why am I here? This is like it's almost like a self-prescribed nihilism where it's like, well why am I even playing this game? It's like I can't trust anybody. I can't trust anybody to follow through. I can't trust anybody when they say a sentence to me to mean it. There's always some back you know, backstabbing or gaslighting or whatever you want to call it, meaning to it and i feel like there i feel like that might be contributing to some of the problems that we're running into where people can't trust anybody else anymore what do you think
3: i could kind of see that i mean like in my example i gave where a, a medical provider completely you know gave me the wrong medication and so since then i do i, I do take a firmer grasp on what my own healthcare is going to look like ever since that situation. So I could see that. I wouldn't say I'm untrusting of all medical providers from now on, but I would say I definitely listen to my own body. But I could kind of see that a little bit.
2: I would say yes. You know, not being able to trust other people is is a portion of it. Um, I think the larger issue at hand, though, is just the way that society sets those specific roles of what you are supposed to be and what you are not supposed to be. Um, you know, as far as taking responsibility for your own health, I think that's another aspect too that, again, it's society. Like, you're sick, you go to the doctor. You you know, you, you're supposed to trust these people with your body. And, um, you know, I've I've got friends that have had to shop, you know, when it comes to mental health, health, they've had to shop their psychologists yeah, um, and find the one that's going to fit right for them. And that's not a wrong thing to do. Um, our insurance programs are set up specifically to fight against that too. Like you have to go see this person. You have to go see this person. You have to go see this person or we're not going to take care of you.
1: Right. right.
2: Um, well, just think about aspect.
1: that. We're clinging to these systems where they are intentionally untrustworthy. Insurance, banking. Yeah. You know, right. you, you just the laundry list just add to the list every right. system that we cling to is untrustworthy.
3: Well, and even it's funny you bring up insurance. I think about how our mental health is such a huge component of our body, but the greatest con we've done in this country is we've convinced our humans walking around that your body and your brain and your teeth and your eyes are four different things that are not going to be covered under the same policy right. and it's or potentially not be covered and it's like how how have we allowed that to go on it's all the human body how have we and by
1: the way the insurance company doesn't perform medical procedures they just take money out of your wallet on the off chance that you might need to go get health care but there's not an insurance yeah. agent that does teeth cleanings that that's I that's true
3: of. that's true it's just uh, i used to be in insurance i certainly didn't clean Me too. any teeth like 15 oh. years oh yeah
2: and oh. It, it, the the way that i was during that time was <clears throat> understanding the difference between an agent and a broker is is pretty important sure. uh, an agent works for the insurance company They are that insurance company's advocate. Uh, A broker works with multiple insurance companies. So, you know, when I would sit down with someone, I I would look them right in the eye and I'm like, hey, insurance is designed to screw you. My job is to make sure they can't because they have to go by their contracts. Um, So, you know, acting as more of an intermediary as opposed to a representative of the, you know, the man. Uh, in the insurance companies was, was a lot of what meant a lot to me. I started out as an agent and after about two years, I was like, this is stupid. Yeah. You know, the, the one thing that I have to offer is not the best for everybody, but they're telling me that it is. Right. So, you know, break the system, if you will.
1: And let's talk about, (laughs) I mean, we've got an election year coming up. So obviously uh, COVID is back. Right. It right? is so. One of the conversations this has started, and a lot because of uh, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is the effect of rac- vaccines on mental health. So let's let's delve into that. You guys, are you, have you guys limbered up? <coughs> are we stretched? Are we ready? I'm something. <laughs> I mean, because when we start getting into this conversation. The people, the crazies, the Jim Carrey's and the, uh, what was his wife's name at the time?
3: Oh, uh, McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy. Yeah. Jenny yeah. McCarthy. yeah.
1: yeah. At the t- they seemed like nuts. They were just loonies, right? Saying, hey, vaccines, they cause autism. If you give your kid a vaccine, they're going to be good in numbers. No, that's, <laughs> that's crazy, right? But it turns out that the preservative, what they called a, a preservative, thimerosal, wasn't intended to be a preservative. It's a mercury derivative that was intended to be an adjutant. And this is what uh, Kennedy was arguing for. He was like, guys, they're misclassifying this ingredient. And by the way, the particulate size of this thing is so small, it violates the blood brain barrier. So it's storing up in the brain. So at least let's have a exploratory um, activity to figure out if potentially there's some cascading consequences the buildup of thimerosal in the brain doesn't seem that to me personally doesn't seem like a bad argument studies don't hurt no so that's for sure let's figure it out but right. apparently that was a you know very threatening uh conversation to start from a pharmaceutical well, yeah standpoint. you're
2: you're attacking the second largest lobbying group in the united states <laughs> that's let's let's talk about it that way like why is there never going to be tort reform because the number one largest lobbying group is the 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 group of lawyers like this is why it's an issue to actually even take a look at these things because of the fact that our representatives are part and parcel to the industries that pay them the money that they actually make as opposed to the you know hundred thousand dollars that we pay them a year or whatever uh, to be up there you know sitting in their fancy seat, um, I love the part that, where they talk about like congressmen and, and senators should have to wear their sponsors on their suits. Yes. Uh, so you know exactly who they're actually working for because they're right. certainly not working for us, and that goes from. Um, you know studies on vaccines to studies on you know the actual costs of medical care which is by and large driven by lawsuits um you know all of these things that we just can't look at are simply because our representatives or people that call themselves our representatives are not our representatives they're part of the oligarchy
3: sure so what's the alternative to that like do you feel like if tomorrow we could clean house and get all new elected representatives across the board, do you feel like? I mean, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Because do you feel like is there ever truly a person on the outside? Because wouldn't the lobby groups just get their teeth hooks into whoever the new? Amanda, person have you is? heard my plan? What? No. What is your plan? Oh,
1: so Carl. I, this is uh, Carl. <laughs> so I get to just choose who I want to pull resources from. So I can go to my select uh, industry, the businesses that I want, and I can harvest all the assets they've ever made, all the money. I get to collect all that. And I get to designate who I give that to. He's the, he's the
2: other Marx brother.
3: Okay.
1: Carl. Have you, you haven't heard this plan? <laughs>
3: No. It sounds pretty good, right?
1: <laughs> this oh. is a mental health podcast, so I feel like this is fitting. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, we need
3: at least seven conspiracy corners for this episode. We're, we're going to
2: send this episode out to uh, psychologists and be like, okay, what is Jody's official classification
3: for his mental health? Yeah, he's a great case study health? for somebody that's about to graduate They're and be like, needs we're to write gonna, a paper. Yeah,
1: we're going to upgrade it to DSM-6
3: <laughs> with a special
1: Jody designation. <laughs>
2: Uh, I think there's a couple of things. One would be campaign fi- finance reform because um, the um, sponsorship starts before they ever even hit office. But I think the other thing was something that changed about 150 or 130 years ago, and that was term limits. Yeah. I mean, the longer that a person sits up there, the more these special interests get their teeth into them. I agree. And so the quote from Benjamin Franklin, because there were term limits. A lot of people don't realize that. There were term limits up until the early 1900s. And the quote by Ben, Ben Franklin was that you're up there to represent your district, your population, and you should have to go back to where you're representing and answer to those people after you're done.
3: I'm sorry. I was very distracted by Jody, about to go through airport security. Apparently, cleaning I was, out I was all of his pockets. Unloading my pockets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I totally
3: totally
1: distracted. Are you going to take your shoes off and walk <laughs> Oh God! I just got it. I just got it. I, I think, think he was Stephen, in the process of taking I think the shoes off. Stephen indicated to our local shocker that I should have been punished for that. What are you talking about? I didn't. I didn't do anything. <laughs>
3: Well, and just like, and it does not matter what party you follow. People should not be allowed to literally deteriorate in office. Like when I'm sorry, but like, yes. Yeah. Like, what in the world was happening there that she was being pushed in a chair, hunched over, and should have retired a hundred years ago. Like
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're gonna we're gonna pick this up, but we're gonna take a break and then we're gonna start there and then we're gonna build on some of the other root causes.
0: Hey, what's going on? It's Chris. I'm here with Stefan. Bro, we need to talk about this messed up thing you did to me this week. What's that? You know what you did, but let's tell them. <laughs> I'm sitting at the office. Stefan sends me this picture of a turkey bacon BLT. Looks like the best freaking sandwich I've ever seen in my life. So I, I don't remember that you've got two locations. So I run down to the Warsaw location to get the delicious burger, or excuse me, sandwich. Wasn't there, but I still got a good pizza. Hoplore, go spot. Your
2: two locations, Hoplore up in Leesburg. Yep, historic uh, mill location, Uh, 110-year-old feed mill, pretty cool little spot, super chill. Super chill, incredible menu. Or Go Spot here in Warsaw. Yeah, Go Spot, new idea. Uh, We are hosting uh, guest chefs and food trucks uh, for about a three-month stint, Uh, bringing you a new menu every three months that way.
0: Unbelievable! I just recently had the pizza. Incredible.
2: Do or Incredible die pizza. does
0: it up. Do, do or die, pizza this month. So good, Stefan. If I want to know where which menu is which, so I go to the right spot. Where can I find you?
2: Yeah, you can uh, actually find all our menus at hoplore.com. Uh, both the menus for the uh, the original, the mill location, as well as the new ghost spot here in Warsaw. Uh, you can find us physically located at 100 South Old State Road 15. That's the mill. Uh, in Leesburg and then 307 West Market Street here in Warsaw, Indiana. Best food, best beer you're going to find. Hoplore Brewing, two locations, Leesburg and Warsaw, the ghost spot, Warsaw.
0: Check them out. Check them out on the web.
2: Absolutely. You can always reach out to us via Facebook as well, uh, Instagram, and uh, all the other socials. Booming. Boomin'. (laughs) Boomin'. Oh, yeah, oh, <laughs> out
1: of the gate. <laughs> out of the gate, that's the way to start it. Just wanted to make sure you are awake, Jody. Stefan was giving me the, the shock <laughs> signal, so I'm awake. Uh, before we get going back into how much we don't trust the government, which I'm going to definitely want to build on, uh, I do want to shout out a couple of additional Freedom uh, Cats shows. We talk freedom here, and we've got two shows um, that we've added to our network. Studio Couch, it's all things music in Northeastern Indiana. Hosted by Jack Claypool. It is about uh, bands. If you've got a band and you're looking for venues, looking to get your word, get your brand out, uh, Jack's the guy to talk to. If you've got equipment and you're looking to let everybody know what the latest and greatest is in the equipment you're selling, or if you're a venue and you're looking for people to come in and, and uh, uh, play or you want to connect to the bands or you want to just get out, You know, some of the events you've got coming, uh, coming up, reach out to Jack Claypool at Studio Couch, all things music in northeastern Indiana. What I didn't realize I'm learning is that uh, there's a there is a very intentional um, push to build the entertainment scene in the Fort Wayne area. Oh, and northeastern India and Indiana at large. Um, So
2: cities are in northeastern India.
1: Yeah. Well, well, but you got the, you got a, uh, you got a Delhi.
3: Oh my gosh! So, no, nope. Anyway. no. Nope. That's, <laughs> that's another. That's another, <laughs> that's another hot
1: area, right? Seems like a good accent. I was nailing it.
2: Northeastern India. Them in yeah, Pakistan, right. they don't get along.
1: No, they don't. In the Kashmir region, there's yeah. a lot of conflict going yeah. on. There. Yeah. <laughs> so, but in, in Indiana, we're trying to build music. So uh, Sweetwater and Purdue have a, re- a relationship there. If you've ever been over to the Sweetwater. Uh, center um, off of thirty. It's, it's phenomenal. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. They do a great job. Uh, so reach out to Studio Couch. Uh, listen to their podcast, like and share. When uh, we have got Little Red Barn, and uh, what many people might not know, if you're in the, um, if you're in Danang, uh, forty clicks north of the Mekong Delta, um, so Indiana grows a lot of stuff. We're, uh, we do. We have a big agricultural community. And so it doesn't matter if you're a big farm or you've got your own garden. Um, there's a lot that goes into uh, growing stuff, equipment, seeds, weather, you know, just the curation of the, the um, garden or farm. And so Little Red Barn, okay, this is a podcast that's going to be all about what you need to know to have a farm, uh, to grow a garden, any equipment, Uh, local retailers, where to get a good deal, uh, what to look for from the standpoint of, you know, you see a big uh, piece of equipment going down the road and you're mad because, you know, they're not driving 60 miles an hour. (laughs) Don't swear at them. They're actually, they're making the produce that makes this country run. And so just getting a better understanding of our local community, one of the big industries in our local community, check out Little Red Barn. That's Ryan Martin and Chris Underwood. And it's a great show. So check them out. And we're going to shout out one of our sponsors, uh, Travis McConnell Law Office. So Travis, great dude. Absolutely. I mean, he's a community builder. He's, he's pro-Coskiasco County, and he is the guy to go to if you've got legal means. Now, or needs, legal needs. Um, so if you do have something you need legally, check out Travis McConnell. He'll take care of you.
3: He can yeah. also do smaller services too, that is just things like setting up your LLC. He does a lot of that kind mm-hmm. of menu pricing for yeah. very reasonable compared to the other providers in town.
1: Fantastic. So let's let's talk about upcoming events. Stefan, what you got? Uh, this upcoming weekend
2: is a new um, vintage market next Saturday, the 21st. Uh, so we posted this once before. It was the funky froggy market. And uh, we have uh, vintage and craft uh, sellers that set up in the parking lot. Uh, last time, I think we had close to 20 uh, that set up out there. Really cool stuff. It was actually, you were here, Amanda. Uh, they had the big uh, Barbie RV out there right after we yes, talked Barbie. Yes. That's um, the spooky froggy market now, uh, just for October. Uh, that's coming up. Okay. Um, now, this won't get released before, uh, our band tonight, but they're pretty awesome. You got to find the broken lifters, wherever they play rockabilly music. It is a blast, super fun to listen to like stand up bass, the whole nine yards. So the broken lifters, they play all over the area. Um, the bass player actually got married at our brewery. So we've, we've got a good relationship there. And then, uh, the 28th, uh, the day after Spooktacular here in Warsaw. We've got uh, the Bramlett brothers. Um, They're another great duo. Um, They actually tour nationally as well, but they're from this area. Um, So uh, they'll be out at uh, Leesburg um, next Saturday. And of course, we've got the, the running stuff all the time. We've got trivia every Thursday. Uh, we're going to be morphing into, uh, I'm going to break this ahead of, of Corey getting all the details worked out, but we're morphing into probably on Tuesdays going from a bingo to an open mic night. And we're talking open mic night, not just for musicians, but for comedians, for poets, for all of that fun stuff. i um, going to be doing some specials specifically for people who uh, have the guts to get up and perform. Um, and then, uh, every Friday, starting next Friday, we're going to have live music. Uh, Michael Turia, uh, solo artist, uh, will be our resident house musician. So every Friday we'll be doing some live music here too. And that is at ghost spot by the way.
1: So if I want to do a Mike Myers, uh, so I married an expert or a set. Whoa,
2: man. She stole my cat.
1: I don't know the rest. Yeah.
3: I don't either. You
1: started strong. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to tell you. you started. But it's all that. Uh, that sounds amazing. And by the way, two of the three Freedom Cats are going to be at tonight's event with the Broken yep. Lifters. And I am looking forward to that. It's going to be a ton of fun.
2: This guy will be pouring up your beers, mixing up your drinks. I'll be there
1: tonight. Fantastic. All right. Back to the topic. We don't like the government. Let's burn it down. Yes. Jody gets to harvest everybody's assets, <laughs> redistribute them the way I see fit. Right? We all agree? I love everybody's-
3: that that's the takeaway. Everybody- we all just agree Jody's in <laughs> charge. Yes. yes. Jody's in charge <laughs> of our taste <laughs> and our nights.
1: This is the mental health episode. <laughs> <laughs> so
3: put the crazy guy in charge. <laughs> Absolutely. How
1: much fun would it be? <laughs> I'm a good time. I'd be a good dictator. <laughs> So I,
2: under the mental health one on your outline, DSM-5, Redefining Gender Identity Disorder, we didn't really talk about that. You mentioned it, but...
1: Yes, sir. Yeah, so um, when we start talking about um, mental health, um, there is a, a manual that is commonly uh, accessed by the medical health professionals. It's the DSM. It's, okay. the, it's a diagnostic and statistical uh, mental health manual, okay? And what they do is they have broken down the, um, what do you want to call them, the, the characteristics of a mental condition. Now, if you go to anybody who's a medical health person and they're doing this activity, there's no instance in which you're not going to be a diagnosed with some right. sort of mental condition. Well, That's even- not the point. The, po- the, the point is, what mental condition do you have? Because we're all crazy. Right. Every single person is crazy. And all they're going to do is they're going to say, well, you're this kind of crazy.
3: Well, and it's ever evolving too. They're on what five now, or is it six? Have we moved to six?
1: We're at five, but after today's podcast, they're probably going to go to a six. Pro-
3: probably. <laughs> the, the new classification
2: <laughs> of mental, and this is just called Jody. Yes.
0: Yes.
3: Jodyism. Yes. Um, but no, they're ever evolving. So, like for example, in some of the early versions of that manual, homosexuality was a mental illness that was in there. So right. it's like there it, it social. Social times help update what's considered an actual mental illness and what is, you know,
2: what uh, is not right. Well, it's like the neurodivergent thing. My hot take on that is that there is no baseline. You said we're all crazy. Yes, we are. There is no when people say they're neurodivergent. Congratulations. I am, too. Jody is as well. Amanda is as well. Whoa!
3: Oh, I am. There, there is no. <laughs> oh, I, yeah.
2: There's no baseline for how the human brain should function. Everyone's human brain functions differently.
1: Well, anybody right. who has a, a child on um, the, uh, what used to be classified as the autism spectrum, the the terminology that is used is non-neurotypical.
2: Okay. Okay, Okay.
1: non-neurotypical just means when you look at a problem, you solve that problem different than a vast majority of the other people who look at that problem. Now, you could be a rain man, right? You could immediately assess Mm -hmm. and count toothpicks on the floor in in a record speed, but the reality is most people can't do that.
2: Right. Right. So
1: when you look at that problem, you solve it a different way and your solution is what's considered not typical. So when people are trying to, and we're pattern-seeking creatures, right? So we like to chunk things up into things we know. We wanna know that the weeds rustling in the horizon aren't a threat. That's where this all comes from. We're, we're, we're a pattern-recognizing creature uh, a species, and so we like the ability to build stereotypes. We like the ability to build these very easy-to-access chunks of information. Enable us to process all the information we've got coming at us in the world faster. And so it's very, very easy to say, well, you're not neurotypical. You're somewhere, that means you're somewhere on the autism spectrum, right? But maybe you're an Elon Musk, okay? You're going to put this guy, you're going to put some savant, some um, prolific entrepreneur in the same bucket that you would put, you know, somebody who can't function in society because it's just easier to box those people out because I don't understand them, right? So the DSM-5, from my understanding, is a way for people to identify the signs, symptoms, whatever you want to call it, conditions for a mental classification. And the problem with that is, as we grow in our understanding, and this is what you're saying, Amanda, as we grow in our understanding of how people start to view the world, we have to grow that document.
3: Right, right.
1: We have to change the terms. And I don't, I'm i not against that. I think that's right.
2: Well, it's like any science. Any science 100%. is going to grow and change. Yes, 100%. And if it doesn't, that's when you know it's not science anymore.
3: Do you feel like, going back to your whole thing about, well, I'm neurodivergent, do you feel like people are just looking for any possible way to be unique and special?
2: Yeah, for sure. Okay. In this day of social media, and and you know, you have you know a thousand friends and and everything like that on social media. You're you're trying to be different and special. Um, I okay. I like to go the other way, and you know, be Tyler Durden, and uh, you know, <laughs> the, uh, to me, it, it actually helps keep one self grounded when, you know, I am Robert Paulson. We're not special. We're not different. We are all Robert Paulson. And it, it, I feel like a lot of times the extreme need to feel special and different also lends itself to in, in addition other issues. When if you were grounded to say I'm another human being, I'm not special, this is mm-hmm. what I have to deal with, and move on, it, it takes that microscope off of yourself. Because you know I, I think that all of us in our heads are, are self-diagnosing from day to day.
1: And is it possible that we have physiologic systems like the limbic system that feed chemicals into our brain uh, in order to shuffle us into herds and positions within a herd? This is what we call the hierarchy. So we've got this system that gives us reward chemicals that says, based on what I think my value should be for whatever, however define that uh, competitive umbrella. Maybe it's, yeah, I'm a sports guy, right? And I play football. I want to be the strongest guy. If I'm the strongest guy, I shuffle myself to the top of the herd from- sure how strong i am relative to everybody else it's the reward chemicals in my brain that tell me my value in that hierarchy but if if it's an intellectual hierarchy then it doesn't matter how strong i am it only matters how smart i am and so we reshuffle ourselves and the reward chemicals in our brains reshuffle us in that in that umbrella uh, or hierarchy based on how we choose to compete with the herd, but we're we're it's it, it's requisite. It's something that's embedded in our physiology. The limbic system exists. The serotonin that we we have exists in our physiology. We say
3: we have mine's not making enough over here. <laughs> well, and so
1: yeah, so if you can't if you <laughs> can't cope with the hierarchy you've built for yourself, then there is this medication that limits the impact of the chemical on our brain. And we think that that's winning, but the reality is, no, we still exist. We still have a need to shuffle ourselves in society and figure out how we're valued in society. And that is us as uh, like a communal tribal creature. And it's built into our physiology. And and we're trying to negate something that's physiologic. And we're also trying to negate something that is, (laughs) uh, from a long-term win standpoint, is obviously important, which is integrity. You have to be able to trust the the systems you have around you are going to operate the way you intend them to operate. If you can't trust anything, the level of anxiety for not being able to trust is so high, of course we're going to have suicides.
3: When you can't trust yourself in that moment. That's the issue. It's more my brain is telling me Life would be better if I wasn't here, and it's like, then, then, where are you at that point? You can't. Your own brain is playing tricks on you at that point. One hundred
1: percent. It makes total sense. And guys, are we live in a dominance hierarchy? We're simple creatures. We're Neanderthals, is Stefan. <laughs> uh, uh. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I and I, I can say this one hundred percent. In in the male brain, we we live on how do we outcompete? That's the simplest way to dominate and to win. It doesn't matter if you're an intellectual or you're a physical competitor. It's the simplest way to shuffle yourself into the hierarchy. It's the most obvious way. It's a measurable way. Guys exist in a very measurable hierarchy. The growth hierarchy is much more complex. The female hierarchy is much more complex. Now you're dealing with, you know how do you how do you work in a nurture support and kind of like this i can't even talk to it that's how complex it is it's like <laughs> how do you how do you navigate these like feeling type things that aren't right. measurable right it's just right. like minute to minute second to second you know um, uh, social capital type environments that are so complex that men get frustrated we struggle with this other hierarchy that women Exist in because the brains exist in a much more complex and nuanced environment.
3: Will you tell me again how much my brain is I more know, complex Amanda, than yours? You're so, <laughs>
1: complex. Every, so complex. Every
2: episode that Amanda's on. Hey, Jody, it's time to tell Amanda how she feels. Yeah. <laughs> now, here's the thing though uh, when you talk about those hierarchies, how much of it is evolution and how much of it is society driven? Uh, we talk about the DM, DSM-5 and the classifications and everything like that. Amanda brought it up. It's driven by society right. um, as far as what society is doing today.
1: Well, okay. Um, do you guys just believe in the Bible or do you believe in evolution? Because lobsters have limbic systems. Are you asking me? What I'm saying is there are or is that rhetorical when you, when you're talking about the when you're talking about the uh, physiologic system that exists from the most uh, uh, Jurassic of entities to you know what we would think is the pinnacle of society in the world, which is humans, right? We are the pinnacle. Everything from the lobster all the way up to us has a limbic system. They all shuffle themselves into herds. So we all suffer the same Limitation in how the chemicals feed our brains.
2: I, I get that. But at the same time, lobsters aren't being told by society what that hierarchy is or what that hierarchy sure. should be. That's right. I mean, like the, the whole redefining gender identity disorder. You got it. Um, that's society saying this is what you should be. Oh, now this is what you should be. You got it. Uh, all that type of stuff. I mean, I, I deep dived into this, this whole issue, you know, blue, like what gender is blue associated with? Boys. It in the early 1900s, it was associated with girls because it was considered <laughs> the more dainty of the colors. Oh. Um, you know, back in the 1700s, it was the men that wore the wigs. It was the men that wore the pantyhose, you know, all that type of stuff. So society shapes a person's feeling about oneself beyond the limbic system.
1: 100%. So the, the physiologic system exists, but you can choose which hierarchy you put yourself in. For sure. So a lot of people, don't, they don't know that. They get told what system they need to be put in. And they subscribe to it. And I guess my call, you're 100% right, Stefan. I think you're 100% right. I think what you're saying is we keep getting told we've got to be put into these hierarchies. Right. And the reality is, no, you don't. And it's being driven
2: by large corporations now.
1: 100%. Like,
2: why, did, why did blue become a male color? Because this corporation wanted this to be for this, this particular, to sell their particular product. So now we're being told that this is the way it should be. Um, Society's driving all of that.
3: It's like the ink pens for women because they're pink. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And they're $2 more. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's
1: what it's I stopped buying them because they were $2 more. (laughs) I
3: know. I was like, I
1: love these pink pens. $2 more, forget about it. (laughs)
3: Exactly.
1: I'm going black pens from here on out.
3: (laughs)
2: There
1: we go. Yeah. Food. Love Kay. it.
3: <laughs>
1: <Whoa>. <laughs> can, we, can we all agree food's good? Right? Look, um, there are a lot of... Psycho- it's psychological battle. There's a lot of that. But there's also chemical battle going right. on. Right. And a lot of people... If you go to McDonald's, the amount of stuff that you're eating that isn't food, that's packed into every one of their products, is astounding.
3: I would believe that.
1: Again, driven by money.
2: Uh, if you ever get a chance to watch the documentary, uh, it's Forks Over Knives. Oh, yes. Uh, that talks about, um, you know, our our food triangle that, that everybody, you know, had described to. I think it's a different shape now, but... There again, society's changing our beliefs on things.
1: It was three-dimensional. It was the food pyramid. It (laughs) It sounds fancy. It sounds so fancy when they say Every
2: textbook I ever saw it on was flat. That's not a pyramid. (laughs) That's true.
1: You're 100% right. It was was the food triangle. To be fair, every textbook
2: we ever saw had Alaska
1: and
3: Hawaii just kind of hanging out over by California. (laughs) Holy crap. I just
1: had that conversation. There's literally a person I just talked to that thought Alaska existed Southwest of the United States. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I was like, uh, oh no. Gotta love the public ed- no. education. Oh. Where
3: Christopher Columbus <laughs> just came in, said hello. Hey guys.
0: <laughs> it was a now. whole conversation. I was
1: like, no, no. It's no. Sorry. <laughs> I know the picture in the book that you saw at Alaska right. the southwest of the United States. It's not it's there. Not, if you no. take a boat, you're not going to run into anything.
2: <laughs> so if you want to be confused on shapes, whether you consider it a pyramid or a triangle, that food pyramid was actually created by the American Dairy Association.
1: I thought it was the, uh, um, the cereal lobby.
2: Mm.
1: That's why they put the, the um, grains and wheats at the bottom.
2: Nope.
1: Okay. Sorry. American Dairy Association.
2: And, um, you know, the the amount of, you know, cow milk that we drink now, the amount of meat that we eat now, all that's driven by big business. Um, All these things that are on this list that are outlined and and are banned in other countries, it's because big business said, hey, I can make this cheeseburger last a lot longer if I put all this stuff in it.
1: By the way, can I just go through this list? Just to give a just a scope, this was literally just a five-minute uh, online.
3: Not even a deep dive.
1: Wasn't even a deep dive. What we're talking about is we're talking about oils. We're talking about high fructose corn syrup. We're talking about BHA, which is a basically the stuff that makes your bread fluffy. We're talking about brominated vegetable oil. And I know that sounds like you're only going to have that in... Like muffins? No, no, no. It's in soda. We're talking about yellow 5, yellow 6, red 40. The things that make M&Ms so colorful. uh, Those are cancer-causing, sorry. Uh, Potassium bromate, again, found in bread. Uh, Chlorinated chicken. Ammoniated beef. Glyphosate. Now, glyphosate, there's a whole conversation about glyphosate, about how they use this in the coatings of all industrialized plants. Every industrialized farmed plant is gonna have a roundup on it. And when we're talking about this, we're talking about something called glyphosate. The cascading consequences of consuming glyphosate is similar to smoking a cigarette and drinking a gallon of antifreeze. Yeah, it's terrible. And then we're talking about something as simple as like a, I'm going to say this wrong, polyparaben, which is the stuff that you get in like your Jellos and your oh sure candy bars and your it's the it's the congealing um, the gelatin part. it's the gelatin thing, but it's they've replaced the collagenistic yeah gelatin. gum arabic and and all yes, those natural right. forms the gum arabic exactly with that, cause it's yeah,
2: way cheaper, yeah. Yeah, I know all these things about the beverage sector just oh, because of working yeah. in it.
1: But here, as I'm enjoying one of yours. There's none of that. There's none of that, and it is delicious. None of that.
2: Yeah, it's it's the yellow five, yellow six, red 40. It, it made me think about, again, let's go back to evolution. You don't eat the bright colored things because they're, they're probably going to kill you. And now we eat all the bright colored things that eventually will probably kill us.
1: The oils that are used in cooking the foods were never intended for consumption. They were industrial oils. They were used for lubricants, for machinery. But they were added to the diet because they were cheaper than using actual, you know, butters and grease, like the pork belly fats and or the pork fats and the sure. the, the extra virgin olive oils. So there again, big business. It, it, it was pennies. They were saving pennies, but pennies over massive industrial quantities. And I, I, I'm going to be a conspiracy theorist. So go ahead and sing the song. Jody's Conspiracy, conspiracy Corner. Corner. All right. I think there was... So uh, Stefan and I have a debate about this. We have a debate every week. But I, 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 I <laughs> think about? the creation of the CIA, the WHO, the CDC simultaneously indicated that there was a puppeteering organization that had a larger uh, intent for the global economy. And when you start to build that conspiracy into the linguistic modeling, you can see how building an inflamed response to the human condition requires pharmaceutical products. I think there's some intent here. I feel like they're embedding things in here that are intended to have a physiologic response and maybe this is just Jody, you know, this is a mental health episode. So maybe this is just (laughs) me building out the DSM six, but at the same time, I, I don't think you can argue that the latest COVID thing wasn't an intentionally engineered thing. All signs point to, all studies point to, this was engineered in a lab if you're going to build that back all the way to the beginning and you look at the rampant increase in these episodes over time, it seems intentional. So you heard it here, folks. If I don't, if I if for some reason I stopped living in the next week, I didn't, you know, I'm not an Epstein. I want the cameras on. <laughs> I want them on. I love my life. I'm having a good time.
3: So just... For sake of understanding, walk that back just a little bit. Yes. What would their end game be? What's their goal? What response do they want you to have?
1: So they want to have a controllable population that they can model. They want to have something that's 100% modelable so they can predict it. Right? And you're going to have people who can eventually live forever. And those people want to have control over all the producers.
2: You know, I would argue a different way. I mean, all of these things you just mentioned are banned in other countries.
3: Yes, that's where I was so gonna go with
2: it. So here, here's, you know, if we wanna be conspiratorial about it, it's driving commerce. It's driving sales of pharmaceuticals. It's driving the medical commerce because, you know, one of the things that's mentioned, I believe a couple different times on here is is cancer. Uh, the significant rise in cancer, this again, I'll go back to the whole food pyramid, as soon as people started following the food pyramid, cancer prevalence increased exponentially um, with them putting all of this stuff in there to preserve it longer, to make more money off of it. Then it drives you to medical. Why would it be banned in other countries? Because the government's having to pay for your medical care.
3: Right. In, in this country, we get actual commercials for pharmaceutical products where they do not have that in other countries.
2: Right. Like on Hulu. We talked about yes, that. I think yeah. we talked about that on the last episode. Yeah, yeah. Hulu. Get your boner pills and your mental
1: health pills from yeah. the same but company. But mental
3: health is for women. Yes. Boner <laughs> pills
1: are for dudes. For
3: males. It's just that your wiener needs to be bigger. Yep. That's and all.
1: explains why I keep getting both.
3: Because <laughs> you've got a crazy wiener. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I was like, I need a wiener pill that's gonna solve my wiener craziness.
2: I almost Where's took it that as, commercial. I almost took it as you were about to come out as a they them.
1: <laughs> Just stop.
2: <it. laughs> I mean that's that's what the that's what the statement caused me to think. I was like, oh
1: shoot. No, Stefan, obviously I have a crazy wiener. <laughs> 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 ah! <laughs> Oh. <laughs> we got a different shocker. See, I, I was looking at the wrong person. So this, this,
2: our, our shocking community is uh, is like a firing squad. If anybody knows anything about firing squads, they send five people up there. Only one person has the bullet, so no one knows who killed the person. I feel like our uh, our breakfast club.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, is was like firing at, squad. I was looking at the wrong firing squad member. <laughs> <laughs> Well, guys, I, I got to tell you, um, this is all I've got on my list. And I feel like this was a really good conversation. Amanda, thank you.
3: Oh, of course. Thank you for having me on and being able to kind of share a little bit about that. It's like I said, it's very important to me. I, As much as I said, I don't need to be that person speaking out about Israel. I don't. I'm not educated on it. I don't live there. Mental health is something I can absolutely get on the top of a podium and say, guys, please go get yourselves checked out because I can be that person who said, or who didn't get themselves checked out and ended up in the sleepaway camp for sad people.
2: Yeah. And I will have to say that I think that also, you know, when you talk about on social media, unlike a lot of the subjects that we end up taking on here on the show, this is one where you can make a difference. Yes, um, you can make a difference, and I just will encourage anyone that uh, is you know not feeling right that they talk to a friend, they talk to a neighbor, they talk to someone that that they're close to, or you know seek out professional help um, because when we boil it right down, especially in the rural communities, you know that's it's a largely you know suicide is a largely male problem, and it's time to you know. Buck what the uh, the society has told you that you should be and, yeah. and ask for help.
3: Speaking of professional help, I do want to say, too, a lot of employers have an employee assistance program, which usually gives you three or four free sessions. So look into that, see if your employer has it. The other thing would be... Um, if you can't afford the traditional in-person psychiatrist because oftentimes that is 150 200 bucks a session out of pocket, your insurance pro- may or may not, most likely, won't cover it, um, then I would definitely recommend, and I know this isn't a podcast on their ads, but um, maybe we should be, but like BetterHelp or one of those. I did use BetterHelp for a while. You can actually... You can say, you know, I only make so much per year and they will greatly reduce that cost of the weekly sessions. They don't ask for proof of that. I'm not saying let's get in the habit of being fraudulent, but I'm just saying that's one way to band-aid and get a counselor for a while. If you're waiting on the traditional in-person, um, the only thing there is they can't diagnose you and they can't prescribe you any medication, but at least it's somebody to listen to you. It's the it's yeah. counselor.
1: Yeah. And we love you. We love our listeners.
3: Absolutely.
1: Take care of yourselves. Please do. Absolutely. All right. So with that, I'm Jody. Stefan. He, he's Stefan. Amanda. We are the Freedom Cats. <laughs> Meow.
3: Tippy
0: River Adventures. Listen, you know what I hear all the time? I'm just going to be real. There's nothing to do in this county, Jody and his boys—they heard you say it too, and that's why they brought Tippy River Adventures to our community. Tippy River is one of the top ten most vital rivers in the nation. Top ten most vital rivers. When was the last time you went down it? When was the last time you saw the that, that vitality just in your face? I took my little boy Sullivan on the trip. We still it was a it was a uh, it was a core memory for both of us. A canon event, if you will, as you travel the multiverse. Every Sully and Chris went on a Tippy River adventure, and you should too. Tippy River Adventures was created to take the work out of experiencing, because, like you know, it was it's it's tough work going down that river. E, you know, at our level, it was tough work. So, but they made it easier for us, right? They cut the brush. They gave us they gave us paths to take our canoes down. That's the work that they do. have equipment but don't want to take two cars? Bring your equipment out. They'll make it easy. Trips as short as two and a half hours. They have taken effort and worry out of coming up and enjoying the great river. Have a church group, sports team, or family reunion looking for a fun and uplifting experience that you can have together? Come out and share an adventure together and they'll do the heavy lifting. If you're looking for something to do for yourself or with friends and family, that's fun and easy an activity that gets you on the water, doesn't require gas or buying high-priced boats or mountain bikes, give us a try. Listen, I mean, think about that. It's tough living out there, man. Everything's more expensive. JC, JC Innovations, as they partner with Tippi River Adventures, they've got your pocketbook as well as your heart and mind in mind. You can check out the fun experience or adventures, have some fun on the river, check them out on Facebook. They got a Facebook page, of course, You can book your adventure through the book now button on their website. That's tippy, T-I-P-P-Y, riveradventures.com. Or you can schedule through their Facebook page. They're looking forward to seeing you on the water.